Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here in these podcasts. As you know, at Church Society, we exist to strengthen local churches in biblical faith and to help shape the Church of England now and for the future. Our particular focus is on the Church of England. Uh, That's where our Church Society Trust parishes are, uh, and that is our uh, particular concern. But of course, we care about and are interested in our brothers and sisters uh, in different churches across across England, uh, across the UK and uh, across the world. We don't often get chance in the podcast to feature uh, people from some of those other churches overseas. And this week, well, we're not precisely overseas. Uh, I'm uh, as part of the Priscilla programme, which uh, we run uh, at Church Society in partnership with Union School of Theology. I find myself quite often these days in Bridgend. Bridgend is in South Wales and it is where um, the Union School of Theology campus is based. So I was there a couple of weeks ago uh, filming some doctrine lectures for this term's Priscilla module. And while I was there, I took the chance to catch up with Church Society member Mark Broadway. Uh, Mark is a curate uh, in the Church of Wales. And it was just really interesting uh, to hear from him some of the ways in uh, in which the Church in Wales uh, is different from the Church of England, some of the particular challenges uh, they have, some of the different ways uh, in which the Church there is set up. It's not an established church in the way that the Church of England is, uh, but also, as you'll hear, how they are facing some of the same kind of struggles uh, that we are in the Church of England. So it's a great pleasure. I'm talking to Mark Broadway. Uh, Mark, could you tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, yeah. So uh, my name is Mark Broadway. I'm the assistant curate here in the parish of Coity, Knowlton, Brackler and Coychurch. For many of us, we just call that Bridge End. Okay, so you say here. I mean, here is in Wales. Uh, I've, yeah, I've come yeah. like abroad for, <laughs> for this episode of the podcast. Um, and uh, you, you were talking about sort of four churches and, and parish and the rest of it. That is not a Church of England uh, job, is it? No, no, not since the 1920s, in fact. Uh, so the Church in, church in Wales, uh, rather than Church of England. Um, in some senses, you know, we're the, uh, we're the ancient church of this land. Nice. Catholic and reformed. Um, in another very real sense, we're a, a modern province of the Anglican Communion. We were uh, disestablished from the province of Canterbury in 1920, uh, thanks to the work of people, um, many non-conformists in Parliament at that time. Wales, um, you won't be surprised to learn, was was home to huge numbers of non-conformists. And so in the 1920s, the church in Wales, the churches here, were disestablished and we formed a new province, six dioceses. It's something that was really interesting to me. Earlier this summer, I was um, on holiday near Bala and there is the Bible Society Museum there, which is absolutely lovely and I really, really enjoyed it. And one of the things I learned that I did not previously know is that we think of the Reformation as being this great time of putting the Bible back in people's own language and having church in people's own language. But in Wales, they had to have it in English. So for them, it, it sort of wasn't that. It wasn't a great time of, here, you can have it in your own language in Welsh. It was just, you know, well, you used to have to have it in Latin and now you have to have it in English. And not, not quite as much sort of um, uh, vernacular as we might perhaps think. Indeed. And so we, we come across all sorts of really odd stories where 
um, you know, Thomas Charles and people like that were, were coming across people who had Bibles, but they didn't have a clue what to do with them. And so uh, there's stories about Bibles being found propping up dining room tables, um, used, being used as doorstops, because people didn't really have a clue uh, what this whole thing was about. Um, and so the work of the Bible Society, you know, um, it's absolutely fantastic, something that's really important to us here in Wales. Interesting. So, um, so you said there was the, the sort of big disestablishment in 1920. Is there now any formal link at all then between the Church in Wales and the Church of England? Or is it simply that both are part of the Anglican communion worldwide? Yeah, very much um, more the latter. There's very little connection. Um, it, it, we find ourselves a sort of um, a sort of halfway house, though, because we're not sort of um, we're not completely separate from the mechanisms. We have uh, vestiges of establishment. So although our although our bishops don't sit in the House of Lords, um, our clergy are registrars in the same way that English clergy okay. are. Um, our cathedral foundations are slightly different, but still there's there's some overhangs of um, uh, the sort of law and state kind of stuff. Okay. Okay, so the, the, a little bit there, but but no sort of formal link with the thing. And how does that work, um, so for example, with training? So the only people I know, I think, who work uh, in the Church of Wales are all trained in English theological colleges. Um, is it, I mean, is that true for you as well? No, so I, I trained here in Wales. Um, it was St. Michael's College's uh, St. Paddan's Institute, now a big um, Church in Wales theological institution headed up by Jeremy Duff. Okay. Uh, who started a couple oh, of Oh, who many ago. of us will know from his Greek textbook. Well, indeed, which you can purchase on Amazon. I'm sure you do appreciate you <laughs> saying that. Uh, I did my Greek from Wenham's book. So okay, well, that's kind of pre Duff, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly I, mean, I, don't right. think, I don't think he started from scratch, did he? Okay, so, but the, the, there can be some over like that. And so you've mentioned um, a little bit about lots of non conformists in Wales. I mean, that is my perception of the church in Wales, that that is where it's strong, is in the the chapels and the non-conformist churches. Would you say that um, that, that is still a, a, a big factor in Welsh society? Is there more Christianness here than in England? Well, historically, absolutely. Uh, but over the last sort of generation, it it's really has all fallen apart. Uh, where I used to live in um, uh, Rondokan and Taff, that was the... Um, local council, local authority, which was found to be the most atheistic council of local authority in the whole of the UK. Um, uh, Richard Dawkins sent out a tweet congratulating the people of <laughs> RCT for, uh, for oh, turning dear. away from, you know. Um, and so, and so nonconformity is really struggling, you know, uh, these days. The Anglican Church here continues to be um, the single largest denomination, um, but, you know, yeah. we're not... We're That's really here. interesting. I would not have um, I would not have guessed that that was. Is that I guess that that is because in typical nonconformist fashion, there's just a lot of denominations. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> that as a whole necessarily they're fewer, but just than Anglicans. But actually, just there's a lot of no, but I th- different. I, I think um, I think that our gosh, for want of a word, connectedness yeah. within the Anglican Church has enabled us to sustain. Um, you know, to sustain our attendance is slightly better than uh, those in nonconformist churches, which which sort of were booming, you know, 150 mm. years ago, the times of the revivals. Absolutely. But really, are, are closing shop now, sadly. Very interesting. And I just wonder. I didn't ask you about this, but I I just wonder as well whether the language thing is an issue. So, are there sort of Welsh language churches that are struggling? Are they struggling more, or are they kind of holding in a sort of 
tighter grip or I don't know whether you know there, there is a great variety you know um, we work a lot with uh, Welsh language chapels um, Welsh language chapels have a, have a particular difficulty in that there's such a sort of draw towards a sort of um, a real focus on Welsh language and Welsh culture and the question is does that come at the expense of the gospel mm. um, that's that's a real challenge and it's a challenge that we sort of work through in the Anglican church because we are constitutionally a bilingual church. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. So the yeah. idea is, you know, um, both languages, English and Welsh, are uh, held to be equal. Um, how that works in practice is, is really difficult, you know. Mm. Uh, someone like myself, um, a sort of import to Wales, you know, I've, I've learned a bit of Welsh, but I'm by no means bilingual. And so... But that's um, also true of a lot of people who grow up in Wales. Yeah, absolutely. They learn Welsh in school, but they're not necessarily bilingual and they're not necessarily fluent absolutely. in Welsh. Whereas you might go to a sort of different part of Wales and, you know, suddenly it's turned on its head. You have people who don't learn sort of formal English until they go to school. And so, you know, it is, it is difficult to, mm. to have a national church where there's this great linguistic divide. Yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting to see a sort of churches having to struggle with that in the contemporary situation in a way that it feels very like an ancient church problem, a New Testament church problem. What do we do with all these people with different languages in our church? And actually, um, yeah, having to work that out in practice, what it means for people to be able to worship the Lord in their own um, tongue. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, so just the church in Wales, would you say, um, I haven't asked you this either. I, I, I sent Mark some questions that I thought we might talk about, but I now just want to talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, is, would you say the church in Wales in general um, feels pretty liberal in the way that certainly the Church of England might feel in general pretty liberal? Yeah, probably, if not more. Okay. If not more so. Um, the, church, the church in Wales is predominantly liberal Catholic. Um, there are some... You know, substantial exceptions to that. Um, we've got one really very evangelical diocese, but the rest are really influenced by uh, liberal thoughts and anti-Catholic okay. thoughts. Part of that is to do with the moment of um, disestablishment. Um, the, the constitution being sort of written and framed 1918, 1920, set in stone, has really frozen um, the sort of mindset and approach of, of that generation um, but yeah. you know, it's but it's not universal. It's okay, not, it's not throughout Wales. Um, we do see, uh, as I say, local distinctiveness. We have a really evangelical diocese, and we have evangelical sort of uh, hotspots throughout the throughout the country. Throughout okay, the great. I mean, so one thing um, that I did want to ask you about is um, a few months ago uh, there was an announcement. I think that the bishops in the Church in Wales were beginning to. I think the word was explore formal provision for same-sex marriage so at the moment my understanding is that the same uh, situation applies in wales as it does in england that the church in wales um, is not permitted by law to perform same-sex marriages um, but they are now looking at ways in which that might change is that right yes that's that's very much the case and, and so as in england um the church in wales has been thinking about same-sex marriage for quite some time. And we've seen in Wales how divisive this issue is. Several years ago, the Diocese of the Church in Wales undertook some consultation work uh, with discussion groups across the six dioceses. Uh, this discussion work was taken um, 
independently of the Church of England. So we've, so, okay. so we've not been involved in... Living in love and faith, yeah, but no. it's sort of their own equivalent of yeah, that, exactly. I guess. But on a much, much smaller scale. Uh, and were, was there an attempt to make that a, a sort of fair, balanced process in terms of who was involved in that, do you think? Gosh, you know, um, okay. we're talking sort of three, three or four years ago when that was going through. Uh, what I can say is that it um, it ended up as a discussion in governing body. Uh, governing body is like our general synod, um, and a, a straw poll was taken. So not a binding vote. A straw poll was taken, huh. and it was split almost almost down the middle, with sixty one out of one hundred and twenty being in favour of same sex wow. marriage, and fifty nine being against same sex marriage. Wow. Although nine of those against did want to see some sort of accommodation made. Okay. Um, but my, still pretty on a knife edge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, our constitution means that we need a two-thirds majority to move with anything. And so, you know, we're a good distance away from that. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, my memory might be um, tricking me, but I remember the diocese themselves at the lower level uh, being slightly more conservative than a governing body itself at the sort of higher level. Um, and so split down the middle, the Archbishop said, look, this is too contentious an issue. We're not, we're not ready to move. Three years yes. later, we've got um, at least two new bishops. And the bench of bishops decided to sort of broach the issue again. But what they did is they presented to governing body, it's the General Synod, um, their opinion uh, in, a, in the form of a written statement. And it said something along the lines, we, the bench of bishops, feel that it is pastorally unsustainable, or words to that effect, for the church not to offer a formal pastoral response to those in same-sex marriages or wow. self-desiring. Um, so, okay, so there's, they are trying to then um, push the debate in a particular direction. Very much. They are saying, we don't think we can carry on like this. Something has to change. We have to be able to offer. Um, and I think, was it so... Uh, potentially blessing those already in a, a sort of legal yeah. same-sex marriage, but also potentially yeah. marrying those who are not yet. So, so the language um, that the bishop used, the bishops used, um, to me seemed quite, quite vague language, quite open language. Um, certainly, I th from my conversations with those senior clergy, you know, I know that some of them wish to have same-sex marriage. Um, whether that's universal, whether some of them want simply to have blessings, I don't know. I, you know, I couldn't say. Sure. Um, but there's certainly a, a pressure to be moving absolutely. in that direction. And that's really interesting. And that's only three years since it was really clear that actually there was yeah. a pretty even split. And now they're saying, no, we have to do this. And so what, what caused the sort of the news, really was that um, a significant proportion of governing body agreed with this statement. Wow. Uh, so three, three quarters, I think, roughly. Okay, so now if you're thinking we need two-thirds majority, yeah, yeah. you're suddenly in a position where um, that's doable. And so, I mean, the whole event was, to my mind, uh, I'm not on governing body, I've never sat on mm. governing body, so I don't know how things should work, but to me it seemed quite a strange event, really, because there wasn't any theological discussion. Um, the floor was open for people to talk about their opinions, mm. their feelings. People talk spoke about their own relationships. That sounds very like General Synod. Um, and um, what was particularly odd from my perspective was that Mark Strange, um, Prime Minister of the Scottish Episcopal Church, was invited to speak. Okay, and so the Scottish Episcopal Church, which had already yeah, at that point made yeah. a decision 
that they were going to permit same-sex marriages. Absolutely. And so um, the caveat was he wasn't there to speak in favour of that decision, but just simply to explain how the Scottish Episcopal Church had come to that decision and worked it through. So he was there, in theory at least, to speak about process. Okay. Um, and um, was that in the, in the case? Well, it seems to be. You know, um, the people who, who were there said he spoke, you know, um, very carefully, very okay. caringly. Uh, there were questions raised by members of the governing body. A friend of mine in particular asked, mm. you know, um, with all due respect to the, to the Primus, why is there not someone here from, for example, the Church of Ireland, you know? Yes, who've um, clearly made a statement that they are not exactly. thinking about this. Um, the, bishop's, the bishop's sort of defence was that this is about process and no process mm. isn't a process. And therefore, you know, that was the conversation. But uh, yeah, so that was... Okay. Uh, an interesting... Uh... And so I just wonder, as a result of that, if the focus of that was supposed to be on, on process, and in, and in some ways was, and the bishops have then made the statement that they feel quite strongly that the church should be moving towards this. What is the process? How would changes have to happen? So it would be a vote in governing body? Uh, eventually, yeah, eventually. Um, but what we've seen is that the bishops have gone back to the diocese back to open up conversations, um, conversations with those who are opposed as well. You know, we have seen okay. an openness from the bishops to to converse and to see um, what red lines there are, those sorts of things. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, being cynical, it's easy to have those conversations if you feel like we've got a three-quarters majority in favour of this, we think we can get stuff through. Now let's just see yeah, how course. much we can appease. Yeah, and, and you know, it's the thing is, as I said, that statement to which the governing body sort of assented was a vague statement. Mm. Um, does that mean at the next governing body somebody's going to bring a motion for same-sex marriage? Probably not. Mm. Are they going to bring something? Probably. Poss yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, will that something uh, cross a red line? I'm certain that it will for some people yeah. um in the church and world I'm, I'm, you know I, I know that but for some people that'll be an acceptable accommodation yeah um so knows? i guess there is still obviously a lot of uncertainty what that will be where, where the red lines will need to be drawn and so on what what opposition is there I mean, you said there's obviously been quite a big shift in terms sure. of the governing body as a whole but there there is still uh, a core group of those firmly opposed yeah, to um, those kind of changes. I, I don't know if you saw the, um, you, you may not have, the formal response from uh, uh, a group that I'm involved in, the Evangelical Fellowship of the Church in Wales. Uh, we wrote an open letter, uh, which has been shared uh, quite a bit. If you pop F-Q-E-F-C-W. I, I can put a link on the website yeah, oh, great stuff. to that. Excellent. Um, um, I'm going to get you to put a couple of links up. Okay, there, fine. You, know. you just um, send them to me and I'll make sure they go up with the, the podcast. Uh, you know, we, we um, in the Evangelical Fellowship wanted to, um, wanted to be clear that we agree that a pastoral response is needed, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was really the, the opening thrust of what we had to say. But, but we had to conclude that the way that the governing body seems to want to go about providing pastoral care um, goes off the rails. Yes. You know? um, that's, very much, that's very much where we were coming from in it. Uh, I think there's a disconnect too. Um, I said previously how my memory seems to serve that the dioceses were more conservative than the governing body itself. 
certainly those who I speak to in the pews week in, week out. You know, when I speak to them about these sorts of things, I hear frustration, I hear confusion. Um, they seem to think that those elected to the sort of uh, governing body aren't speaking for them. That's they're, they're, interesting. I, I see, I really do see that disconnect. And is governing body in the same way that synod is made up of lay and clergy and bishops? Yeah, that exactly. has that same Three kind houses. of makeup. Yeah, exactly. But it's just that the people who are getting elected are of a particular mindset and perhaps not representative of the yeah, whole church. Yeah, I, th I think that's, that is the case. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, so there's a formal response that's been made um, and uh, the sort of evangelical group that is working. What, what are your next steps? Is there a sort of wait and see? Is there a... No, we're, you know, one of the things that we're doing um, and we're really looking forward to is the uh, Anglican Essentials Conference that we're uh, hosting in... Cardiff later this year, 15th of March, 16th of March. Um, I noticed you've invited someone called Lee Gatiss to yeah, speak. I mean... Well, I did say, let's get you as well, but they <laughs> said, we can't, you know, we can't have someone outshining uh, <laughs> Lee Gatiss. <laughs> Uh, there you go. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the website address for this later. Yes, well. I can certainly put that on the website um, as well. So, so this is a conference? Yeah, so, well, um, Anglican Essentials Wales is a, is a national movement of lay and ordained Welsh Anglicans united uh, in their common commitment to upholding Orthodox faith and practice, drawn from across the various traditions of the Anglican Church. So this is, so you mentioned previously the Evangelical Fellowship, but this isn't just Evangelicals. No, no, this is anyone who's holding uh, to the biblical position. It's particularly so, focused around same-sex stuff or no, more, no, no, more generally much, as well? Much more, much more broadly, working right. together where we can to do what we can. Uh, so um, if my memory serves me right, there's, there's three groups which are, which are lending support to this. Um, uh, the group that I'm in, FQ, the Evangelical Fellowship of the Church in Wales, um, the Charismatic Renewal Movement, um, uh, Anglican Renewal, I think it's called, and then the Traditionalist Anglo-Catholic Organisation as well. All of us trying to work together to um, provide a forum, a rallying point, and, and, and an identity, I think, mm. for all Orthodox Anglicans within the Church in Wales, to provide a voice. Mm. Um, and we've got some great speakers. Um, Go on, tell us, tell us, I've tell been, us who's I'm, coming. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. <laughs> um, Michael Nazir Ali, Bishop Michael, yeah. is coming to speak on mission and authority. Lovely. Um, Bishop Philip North is coming to speak on mission and sacrament. Great. Uh, and Lorna Ashworth's coming oh. uh, to tell us about mission at a counter-cultural church. Wow. And I think that's very much yes. uh, something that we need here in Wales, perhaps in England too. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just for Wales, if any of the listeners over Cardiff in Cardiff is come, not very far, and it's you know, now absolutely. free to absolutely, come over you know, the bridge. We did so. that just for the conference, you know. <laughs> we, so don't <laughs> let that put you off, the cost of getting here. Um, so this, is, this is the first... Uh, Anglican Essentials Conference. Yeah, absolutely. This is a new this thing. New venture. That's uh, really exciting. exciting. I'm really excited by that. I think something we need to think about in, in the Church of England um, more than we have done in the past is how we work together much better with sure. Conservatives, Charismatics, those who are Orthodox, yeah. Anglo-Catholics yeah. and, and so on, particularly as we face the same issue coming up in our General Synod in 2020 um, and yeah, I think um, I'm really encouraged that, that that's a, a positive thing that's happening um, in the Church in Wales, and we'll certainly put links to that uh, on the website. Um, 
So, Mark, your uh, curate, yeah. he told us at the beginning of four churches that I cannot now remember, but we're, we're going to say Bridge End. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I just wonder if you have any suggestions, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, oh, actually, maybe the church in Wales is where the Lord is calling me to serve. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I've been hearing this and I want to... Do you have any suggestions where someone might be looking well, for a Well, there, there, is, there is somewhere, you know, um, with excellent... Um, links to the M4 and uh, a, a splendid Calvinist curate for you. Oh. Um, if you would like to come here, then you can make your application to the Archdeacon of Margam. There you go. We might put a link to that uh, <laughs> with the podcast as well. <laughs> and also, I, I would recommend it because it's it, um, very close proximity to... I don't know if it's even in your parish. I, th- I think it's just outside. An excellent theological college. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, with a particularly good uh, training programme for women and, you know, so if you've married someone you think, oh, you know, what could she do? <laughs> then that would also uh, the be The church good. in Wales is waiting. The church in Wales is waiting. There you go. Um, so it's been really interesting to hear that. Some of the same issues that we face in England very much... Um, some differences, clearly, some other challenges as well. I guess most of our listeners are um, in the Church of England. I know we have listeners all over the world who are Anglicans in different places and, and not even Anglicans, some of them, but, you know, we love them too. But most, most will be most familiar with the Church of England. What could we be usefully praying for, for our brothers and sisters in the Church in Wales? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, uh, first and foremost, confidence confidence in the gospel, uh, confidence to tell, um, to tell a good story, you know, of our faith, of our hope, um, of what all this means to us, our confidence that uh, is willing to um, do that mission for that countercultural church that, that mm. we really are very quickly becoming. Yeah, great. And um, so key dates, obviously the Anglican Essentials Conference, be great to pray for that, I guess, yeah, that that's a good first conference and really unites people in the, in the way that you hope it will and um when when is the next governing body session likely to be next that... governing body is april i think okay april. okay so maybe um also just be good to be praying ahead for that and what transpires there and for people to Excellent, be yeah. faithful and and bold uh, in holding to um holding to the gospel great really nice to talk to you mark thank yeah, you so thank much thank you for having me You'll find those links to the Evangelical Fellowship of the Church in Wales and also the Anglican Essentials Conference that Mark mentioned on the Church Society website uh, on the blog post that goes with this podcast episode. Uh, There's also a link there to the job advert we mentioned if you're interested in that or know somebody else that might be. You can find on our website a link to uh, a list of all the previous podcast episodes if you'd like to catch up on your listening there. Uh, As always, if you have any uh, thoughts, suggestions or comments uh, about the podcast or ideas for future podcast episodes that you'd like to hear, please do feel free to get in touch. You can tweet us at Church Society, you can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you could always email me, that's ros at churchsociety.org. Thanks so much for listening.